Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions. Okay. رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته dear brothers and sisters today this is our third session in the series of uh, the uh, refuting atheism from Islamic perspective uh, I'm not sure if last week somebody did also on atheism or not no no okay so that we will uh, just continue wherever uh, I left this. In the past, I have spoken about the historical perspective, where does how atheism existed throughout the history of mankind, uh, what different types of atheists have existed. Uh, the second session, we talked about some concepts, some ways of looking at this issue, trying to understand how where atheists come from, what is their major uh, argument, and how to uh, tackle that. Uh, what tonight I will do, I will again stress on the issue of the uh, basic understanding that we can get in order to establish the counter-argument now, the fact that the world does not live in an era of, uh, in an atmosphere of atheism, but in fact there is a creation, because that's the, the main uh, theme here, is the uh, atheist, eventually of course there are different forms of atheist, uh, like the, uh, uh, as we will show tonight, the Quran has addressed almost all of these uh, sides or all of these types of atheists. Some of them deny the existence of God altogether. Some of them deny the fact that God or the Creator has anything to do with the world. Some would claim that there are multiple gods. Each and every one of them can do uh, his own creations. Uh, and some other form, they would say, well, it doesn't matter whether there is God or not life of the human being is absolutely independent of this God. All of these are different forms of atheism. They come under different uh, categories. Some call them uh, secularists, some of them, some call them separationists between, between religion and, uh, uh, and life. But nevertheless, these are forms of atheism. Uh, and they did exist throughout the uh, history of mankind. And if we look at the Quran, we will find that the Qur'an actually did address all of these forms, absolutely. For example, about the creation in general, the fact that everything in this world is indeed created and must have a beginning, Allah Azza wa says clearly in Surah Al-An'am, Allahu khaliqu kulli shay. Allah is the creator of everything, of everything. And this has an interesting uh, uh, connotation which I will address shortly. Also, Allah did address 
the issue, what if there are multiple gods? More than one. In the Quran he says, وَلَوْ كَانَ فِيهِمَا آلِهَةٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ If there were gods other than Allah Azza wa Jal, إِذَنْ لَذَهَبَ كُلُّ إِلَاهٍ بِمَا خَلَقٍ Then each god will terminate the hemisphere of the other one or will withdraw his own creation and they will be separate worlds altogether for different gods. So that's, those are some of the uh, issues that Allah did address and did uh, point to in the Quran so that people understand that yes, these are people who can claim that, but let's, let's tell you what is the counter argument in brief. But then of course, we need to provide a detailed thought about that so we understand what is it that Allah is uh, referring to, so we understand the concept in the Quran. In other places, Allah pinpoint to certain uh, elements in the universe that could tell you that indeed there is a creator for this world or for the things. For example, uh, in uh, one surah he says, Don't they look and observe how the camels have been created or are created. Look at the raising up of the heavens and the skies. Look to the mountains and have ponder on them, have a view of what you can tell. And look at the ground and the earth, how it has been, uh, uh, how it has been flattened in front of you. Now flattened here does not mean that the earth is flat, but it means the ground in front of you seems to be flat wherever you go, and the only way it can be flat everywhere you go is if it, is, if it has been rounded. Otherwise, uh, there will come a place where it will end, which means there will be an edge of the, uh, of the ground. But uh, in another places, Allah Azza wa Jal, actually uh, uh, motivates the brain, instigates the thought within you when he says uh, Let the human look at his own food. That uh, uh, we have uh, cracked the ground. And we have poured the water to the ground. And we made the grain grow from this earth. So asking you to look and see if you can tell if there is indeed a creator and a God behind all of this. So the Quran does not, uh, does not remain silent on these issues and arguments. So when we sit and talk about arguments, the philosophical arguments or the ideological or the thoughtful arguments instead of the, using the word philosophical we are actually we are actually in line with how the Quran and how Allah did address these issues that have come up from the Kuffar and the Mufriqeen and all types of people who have resented or resisted the acceptance of one and only one and only one God. Now, there is an interesting 
ayah in the Quran that sometimes it says وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ If you start asking them, now asking in this case you are pressing an argument against them about the Creator, if you keep pushing it to the limit, لَيَقُولُنَّ اللَّهِ They will have to admit that there is Allah, there is God who has created them. Okay? وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَيَقُولُنَّ اللَّهِ they will indeed admit at the end of the day that there must be a creator. Exactly like what Hawkins did before he died, when he said there must be someone behind this universe. I don't know who, what is my relationship to him, that's irrelevant, but I think there is something. So you keep pressing, pressing against him until the so-called atheist will come and say, yeah, yeah, indeed, there must be something. Uh, there are many things which I cannot explain, science cannot explain, philosophy is... Uh, stands uh, unable to address these issues so I have no other choice but to admit that there is a God. That's what Allah Azza wa in the Quran says This refers to two types just straight questions to some people they will say yeah yeah it's, it's a creator Allah we know that we understand but this Allah is not my Rabb he's not my Lord is not my governor, is not my sustainer. He has no rule over me. Or you it's not simply asking the question, it's asking the question with a deep argument that forces the opponent to admit at the end of the day, especially the so-called the top atheists, atheists or secularists in the world, will at the end of the day when they are first faced with a very strong argument, they would come and say, oh yes, okay, fine, I agree. But why should I, why should I worship this God? Why should I worship this creator? Because to understand that a creator is something, and to understand that the creator is a God is something else. To understand that the creator is a God, and the creator is a Lord, a Rabb, those are separate issues, which indeed they are. Indeed they are. This is how it has happened in the, in the past. Now, in our perspective, when we start putting the arguments forward, our arguments will lead to one and only one conclusion, that the world is created by a creator. This creator is the God that should be worshipped, and this God is the Lord, that should be followed. So those three go hand in hand. We cannot leave the argument only at the uh, physics or metaphysics or what is behind this physical world or how the physicists or mathematicians say, oh yes, I could see that the world in front of me is finite. It does have a limit. It doesn't go beyond boundaries. I mean, it, it doesn't always go beyond boundaries, it always has a specific boundary, uh, but that's it. Now we will say, once I reach the conclusion that there is a creator, which means the creator has created my life, and the fact that he's a creator, he can create things and bring things from nowhere, he can do with his creation the absolute 
thing that he wants to do. So my life, my very, very life is totally dependent, totally dependent on this creator. Not only that, but I do understand that in my life, which is which I adore very much, each one of us adore his life, that's why I asked for some water. Because if I am thirsty, I need to drink. I need to drink. There is a need. And if this water, there is shortage of the water, then I would need his help. Because the person who brought it may not be able to find it. Maybe he can find it. And if he cannot find it, then I have to look somewhere else because it is absolutely a need for my life and adore, I adore my life, I love my life, I want the thing that sustains my life. In this case, it's the water. That's natural. Nobody can dispute that. Nobody can tell me, oh, no, no, no. I am absolutely in no need for water. I can survive without it. I will tell him, you are absolutely a liar or you are not a living being. I'm just assuming there is a living being in front of me, but you are not. If you are a living being, your very life needs water. You adore your life. You want it to be sustained. And if there is a shortage of life, he cannot find it. I will seek his help. If both of you cannot find it, I will seek his. If all of you cannot find it, I need it somewhere else. So at the end of the day, my life is in need and dependent on something else. Now, if I know that this water is also a creation of the same creator that, cre that created me, then ah, there is a synergy here. It's not only a creator, he's a creator and a sustainer. He created me, he created water, because after all, as I said in the Quran, it says, Allahu khaliqu kulli shay'i, he created me, he created the water, he created the food, he is the one who allows the water to come from the clouds and all of this water circulation is in his hand. So at the end of the day, I am in need and dependent on him. That dependence is reflected again in the human own creation, which is there is a need to sustain my life and there is a need, a desire need, to have a specific relationship to the one who sustains my life, which we call it the need for the one, the sustainer. And that need for the sustainer comes from my called inabilities, al-ajz. There is at one point of time, each one of us, at one point of time, he finds himself unable to sustain his own needs by himself. There is this inability. I'm not going to call it disability because disability means something this inability to perform some things so that inability and then the existence of someone who can provide for that inability make this rendezvous between me and the creator so that brings the creator is not only a creator but he's a creator that i do need and that i do look forward and that i know he can sustain whatever is not cannot be sustained by others i know that my inabilities can be fulfilled with him. So he's a God, because that's what a God is. A God actually is an entity to whom your instinct, there is an instinct within you, looks up for to satisfy and sustain your needs. That's basically what a God is. In fact, in fact, 
the in Surah Quraysh, which is very interesting Surah, the small Surah which we today in Jum'ah, the brother was reading that. لإلاف قريش إلافهم رحلة الشتاء والصيف فليعبدوا رب هذا البيت الذي أطعمهم من جوع وأمنهم من خوف. You should worship the one that he is, he provides you security against fear and food against hunger. فليعبدوا رب هذا البيت. In other words, Allah Azza wa Jal is reminding of one key reason for people to worship a creator. Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, I am the one, the Lord of this house. I am the one who provides security whenever there is fear. I am the one who provides food whenever there is hunger. And you should worship me for that. In other words, people naturally inclined to look up for worship, to take as a God, the one whom they think, they think, can provide for them whenever they need the food or they need the security. And those of you who live in the uh, Indian subcontinent, they know that every description of one of the millions of gods the people worship there, you will find that element of how my life depends on this cow or this camel or this horse or this uh, snake or whatever, in one way or another to sustain my life. So it's, this is how people have been always explaining their gods. So having said that now, I want to go back to the original question. Is it really true as a fact which I can hold my heart tight on? That's what the word aqidah means. Aqidah means from a knot. I tie my heart tightly strongly on a concept, an issue that I cannot let go of, an issue that I will die and will not let it slip. That's what aqidah, when we say it's aqidah. And aqidah is much stronger than the word faith. Faith sometimes, I have faith in something and that faith can be virtual. You don't even know how it crept into your heart or into your mind. It's just a faith. I just I just believe that there is something behind this wall. I don't know what it is, but it just, I cannot live without it. That's different than the aqidah. The aqidah is something that you acquire, you get knowledge of, you verify, you authenticate, you prove, and then you say, ah, this issue deserves for my heart to strongly hold on it. And when I say my heart, I do mean the heart that that pumps and I do need do mean the brain that triggers the neurons and the thoughts which means both they will hold tightly to this idea now how do I attain this so that in front of whatever atheistic philosophical arguments come to me the aqidah is firm then it just remains to find a counter argument at least to allow me to make the da'wah and number two to make me even more satisfied and joyful with my aqidah so here is the issue now is if we look at the world around us 
and that's what Allah has been telling us look at the camels, look at the sky, look at the heavens, look at the water, the, at the earth, look at the, uh, at the mountains, look at the stars, uh, look at the rain, look at whatever you want, look at yourself. Look at your own makeup if you are a chemist or biologist that you know the structure of yourself. Look wherever you want. Allah is directing us and challenging us. Just look and ponder. You will find the truth. Now, this is there is interesting thing. If I challenge you to come and find the truth, to find something, okay, that means I am absolutely certain that you will find it. Let's say if I have put some treasure behind me here and I hide it somewhere, and I know it's there, then I'll say, I'll challenge you to find it. Whoever finds it will take 10% of it. Now, if there is none there, absolutely, and then all of you come and find and find all your equipments, your uh, uh, radar things to, to detect the materials, and you find zero, it is shame. I would be embarrassed because nothing exists. So when Allah Azawajal, and there is a point, in the Quran, in so many, many ayat, keeps pushing you to think about the truth of the existence of a creator, that means he is absolutely certain that with your own brains and minds you will find it. You will find the solution. If that solution is not attainable, if people with their thoughts, with their minds, are not able to find the truth about the existence of a creator, it will be embarrassment for the prophets, messengers, and for everyone who calls for Allah Azawajal. So the fact that Allah is putting this ayat in so many verses, in so many surahs, by itself shows about the absolute confidence of the talker, of the speaker, of the one who is putting these verses and saying them, that is absolute confident and certain that what he is inviting to you is something fact. It's not virtual. It's not something that doesn't exist. That's number one. Number two, if we actually start looking and thinking about the issue of the creation, what is it that we mean by creation? At the end of the day, you are not talking about the formation of a star or universe. You are not talking about the formation of water between hydrogen and oxygen and binding the molecules in a certain uh, balance. You are talking about bringing into existence. You are talking about the age, about time. You are saying, irrespective of what goes in the process of formation of material being, at the end of the day, it boils down to one and only one question. Does this material being have a limited age or not? Because if you look at me at some point, and you come to the conclusion that this person in front of me, his lifespan, my lifespan, my age is limited. There is a time limit for it. 60 years, 70 years, 25 years, 20 days, but there is a time associated with my existence. If there is a time associated with the existence of anything, that means it's created. Which means it has not been there forever. That's what created means. Created means 
a created being means it has not been there forever. Whether the creation is the simple meaning of it, creation of a human once he is born, because our birth is also a creation, okay? Whether it is this, the creation from when once I was born, so my age must have a limit and there is a span for it, so which means it has to have a beginning and must have an end, or it is the sun or the moon or the earth, this entity, it must have an age, it could not have been a sun for all of its life, forever and ever. The universe at all, at large, the water that I have here, which comes from the uh, crane, from the uh, faucet, the faucet comes from the well, the well comes from the river, river comes from a sea, the sea comes from the rain, etc. It doesn't, because it's a continuous connection, connectivity of this entity called water. Now, one of two things, either this water as an entity, as an element of the universe, it does have an age, it does have age, or it doesn't. It has age means the time spent for this thing called water is limited, is measurable. Measurable means it can be measured. It doesn't mean I know how I it doesn't mean I know how long. Measurable means it can be measured. There is a measurable unit for it. It is uh, X number of years, X number of seconds, X number of minutes. So it's either this or it has been there forever. These are the only two possible arguments. The only two possible arguments for anything, anything. That's when Allah says, Allah khaliqu kulli shay. Kulli shay means a thing. By the way, I don't want to confuse here. Some of you go to the tafsir, some of the tafsir, and they start the argument about the creation that Allah oh, he's created, creating everything. That means he created bad deeds and the stupid thing as well as the good things means acts here. Allah here is not talking about acts of people and behavior. Allah is talking about things, entities. And the thing entity is like the water. It's not drinking the water, it's the water itself. He's talking about the moon. He's not talking about landing on the moon or making pollution on the moon. He's talking about the moon as entity, that's a thing. He's talking about me as a body, my body as a thing. He's not talking about my behavior. The behavior is addressed in other ayat, and in many other ayat or hadith. So sometimes you find in the tafsir there is a confusion there. Here it's about the creation, which means stating that everything has an age limit. Everything has an age limit, has a starting point. There is nothing in this world that does not have a starting point in time. That is the essence of the question. The essence of the creation is exactly this. It's not the magnificence. That's a different story. Magnificence of the world. You could see it. Last week I was at the uh, uh, aquarium looking at the various sea things, the things in the sea. There is magnificent, a world of magnificence. Marvelous. That's different than the creation. Creation means you are associating a time, a time with 
a thing that exists. Nothing more, nothing less. If someone drags me or pushes me to drift away from this argument, must be a genius person because he can flip my ideas and does not allow me to focus and concentrate. But I would not allow that to happen. If I want to arrive at the conclusion that Allah is pushing me to, which is to focus on the issue of the creation, I have to focus on the fact that does this thing has an age limit or not? Does its age has a start and therefore a termination or not? That's all. Anything else is valid but different story. So now, when I pose this question and, and note that in the argument, the first, first step to win an argument and to prove something is to formulate your question correctly. What is it that I want to prove? And if you fail, and you all, some of you in the college and in high school, and those who have finished, they have gone through this process. Once you are asked to prove a theory, if you do not formulate the question of the proof and understand what is it that you want to prove, you will never be able to get a good grade. You will never be able to answer unless you memorize it by heart or cheat it from somewhere. Someone told you, gave you a piece of paper, you wrote it, and then that's it. So you really responded with an answer that has been given and you are at the blessing of whether that answer is correct or not. And we all know that. We have been there and we have seen it. So to formulate the question is the first step towards the proof and understanding the issue of this aqeel. So the question now is formulated is does anything in the world that we come across does anything of the world in the world that we come across whether it's water, whether it's the universe whether it's the air, whether it's the light, whether it's the frequency whether it's the phone, whether it's the body, it doesn't matter what, what is it, does it not have an age, limited age, or is it not characterized by a well-defined age? Which means, is there anything that we come across that does not have that does not have a well-defined, limited starting point, or it does? This is the essence of the question. Now, how do I address that? I address it by a second question. Oh, what do I mean by time? When I say it's associated with time, what do I mean by time? What is the time? What is this phenomenon that has puzzled philosophers and scientists for so many, many ages? And there are many theories that existed about time, relativity, absoluteness, all of this. Until somebody says, oh, Einstein came and he, he, uh, 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 he uncovered the lid on this issue of time, so he explained it, and then he came to the conclusion that it's something relative, it's not absolute. And then coming uh, on some scientists on physics start 
giving some more definitions of time. What is it? In a nutshell, something that I can understand, you can understand, he can understand, the young, the very young kid there, or boy or man even, he can understand that, uh, without going into complication, so that we make it complex, so people will say, you know, it's beyond me, so let him deal with it, and I don't want to deal with it. I can't understand that. In reality, in reality, the issue of time is much simpler than that. And because it is related to my issue of aqidah, which, is, which means to understand that Allah Azza wa is a creator, and, to, and therefore to understand that a thing is created, then it must be simple. Because if it's not simple, that means, oh, this issue is applicable only to scientists, applicable to, to philosophers. Then they are the only ones who can be believers. And we can be followers. Nonsense. It doesn't work like that. It's not acceptable. Because the aqidah is a personal thing for each person. Each person is responsible for that. So each person should be able to understand this concept easily and simply. And cannot be put in these some terms which, which, which seem to be absolutely beyond my brain or beyond my ability to comprehend. And say, I need a PhD in physics. To be able to understand what time is, what time is, that is absolutely nonsense. Time, time is associated with each thing's movement, with the motion, with the motion, with the change. Because what is motion? Motion is changing space. When I say this is moving, it's changing space. So time is a characteristic of the material being. It's one of the characters. Just like, how do I characterize this? I saw, oh, this is uh, a cup that occupies space in the universe. It has a certain shape. It has weight. It has volume. And then there are some internal characteristics that makes it water rather than uh, gasoline or uh, alcohol or something. But at the end of the day, whether it was gas here, gasoline, or alcohol, or juice, or water, all of them, they do have these characteristics, they do have a shape, a certain shape, a certain weight, certain density, a certain space. And if this thing makes a change or something, a change happens to its location in space, now, this change, this motion, this change of location in space allows you, allows you to observe a new characteristic which was not visible while the thing was stable. This thing is stable. It's not changing. Nothing is happening. So to you, there is, you cannot make any claim about something called time related to this thing unless you start seeing it moving. Which means, oh, it took two seconds for this to move from here to here. You boil it, put it on, on fire, starts boiling. You say, oh, it took five minutes. What is five minutes? It's a measure. But it took this entity, which we call it time, the observation of the change of its status from liquid to vapor, to evaporate, which is, or to boil, that change, that observation, is what we call the time. It is the observation of the change that takes place on a material being. 
If there is no change, or you do not observe the change, you do not observe a change in this issue, or in the fan up there, which is rotating, or in my growth. Oh, now you have seen me two years or three years ago, I was a bit more husky. Today I am thin, so you notice there is a change in my weight. So you could tell that there is a process, something during a certain period of time, which we call time during a certain period, the brother has lost some weight. Because you observe that loss. You observe the fact that this brother has just moved. Now assuming, if you sleep, and there is an ayah in the Quran that Allah Azza wa wants us to understand this concept of time, if you sleep, like Ahl al-Kahf, or like the person who challenged Allah Azza wa oh, I can't understand how you can revive a death to make him alive again. So Allah Azza wa caused that person to die or to put him to death for a hundred years. Allah says, I'm not saying that. So this is, now Allah Azza wa is saying that to us, and you can say the same thing, you can make the experiment in the lab. You can do the exact experiment in the lab. It's Allah Azza wa already revealed it. He says, 100 years is gone. And the person wakes up. Allah Azza wa says, okay, give him life again. And let me ask you the question. How long have you been gone? Asking him about what? About time, right? Kam how much time? Now he wants us to understand the concept of time. What is... Give me an answer. The person wakes up from death after 100 years. He has not seen yet a change around himself. He just looks at himself. I'm the same. So assuming that I just slept for a few hours. For one day or half a day or part of the day, regular. He is just using information he has about what, how long would a person sleep. It's not even based on a real answer. Because this is how, how much do I sleep usually? One day, half a day, maximum 24 hours if I am too sleepy, too exhausted. 12 hours if I'm a good sleeping person. Eight hours if I am healthy, six hours if I am a bit worried, four hours if I am absolutely anxious all the time, so I cannot sleep more than that. So it's a few hours. That's typical. So the person says, a few hours. That's how a person would sleep. Then he says, okay, look at the animal that was with you, which it happened to be a donkey. Look at the himar, look at the donkey. Oops. This donkey, its bones has been rotten already. Its bones, it has died. It's no longer alive. Its skin is gone. Its meat is absolutely none. The remainder of the bones of the animals are about even to be exhausted. Then the person realized that the change that took place to that animal is way longer 
then a change would take place for something to boil a water, for example. So that's the observation of time. Without that, you could not have observed it. So coming back, and the same thing for Ahlul Kaf, you know the story of the people of Kaf. Woke up after 300 years, not 100 years. How much have you spent in this slumber? Yawman or Baba Same thing. One day or half a day or part of the day. Not much. And they couldn't see around themselves that something that has changed dramatically. Until and unless they went to the market, they gave them the money to buy something, or oh, this money was printed or was delivered a few hundred years ago. Then the people of the village knew that these are the people who have slept for so who have gone for a long time ago. That they were there for a few hundred years. Now, all of this is telling us, and which I, I started by saying that you can go to the lab and do the test, make I mean create a virtual lab, get a room which is semi-dark, have a person in that room and does not move outside, okay, and assume that this person keep him there alive with some food, with some water, with some things, maybe for uh, 10 days. No watch, nothing, no time, nothing to measure, okay? And when he comes out, keep everything exactly the same as when he entered. And try to see if the person can have a clue, a clue of what time is. You will have zero. Because if nothing has changed, you could not have observed any change. You kept the painting as is, the room as is, the furniture as is, even if you have moved them to a totally different state. Even if, if you have moved them to a different country, altogether across the oceans. He would have thought that he is still in the same place, same location, probably a few hours have passed since he was in this home. And this, this has been tested, experimented, people would love to do that, but this is real. It's real. Quite often, you make another simple experiment. Have a friend of you, a roommate or someone, and change all the clocks around him, including the ones on the computer, on the phones, etc., to make it maybe six hours ahead. Six hours ahead. So the person comes in, starts looking at his watch, at his phone, at the computer, at everybody's. Then he finds instead of that, this is now 12 o'clock noon time, it's 6 p.m. And he had an appointment, let's say, at 3 p.m. He will start push pulling his hair that he missed his appointment. Easy and simple. Why? Because he has not changed, he has not observed the change in the things around him. And the time here, the measure, the clock, it's only a measure. Because the time is actually a change that takes place for an object. Meaning, if this thing moved from here to here, then I could see there was time for the motion. If I understand that, 
which is this is exactly the notion of time which is the observation of a change that takes place for an object I will call this an object in space or a location or in shape or in characteristics or anything or in color but I will come to some of the uh, very fine things that Allah said in the Quran related to this issue but if I understand this then now I will say show me anything in the world that I can touch or feel or see or hear any, any object that does not have a limited a limited amount of change every change that takes place every change that takes place for an object in the space or in its motion or it's in its characteristics or in its volume it must be finite it must be finite is there a way in the world that for this to move from here to here to take infinite amount of time it's impossible because if it takes infinite amount of time it will never reach its destination let me say that again when people say there is infinite amount of time which means unlimited no creation no beginning point actually they are saying indirectly there is an infinite time invested in the motion of objects so okay let me test that there's an object here I want to start moving it keep moving it there is the moment the moment you identify a new location you say now it's at the edge of the table then the time spent which is the observation for this object to move from here to here is limited it has to be limited because if it's not if it's not there was infinite amount of time there is unlimited time which means no age unlimited time no age it means it will never reach a destination meaning meaning I will never be able to observe it in a new location so the fact now I take a snapshot of the universe at this very moment because some people they say oh in the future it will keep moving look the future I don't know the future nobody knows the future neither me nor Hawkins nor Marx nobody there is a snapshot I'm glad that there is a new application called the snapshot correct there is something like that snapshot snapshot means a shot current at this moment the momentum that's what snapshot means it's the current moment at each point of time in our life there is a, a snapshot or they call it snapchat but it's snapchat of the snapshot yeah so that's why where it comes from it is so there's this this the snapshot not the chat it's the absolute current now now as I am speaking when my tongue is moving the moment that my tongue is moving this is a moment if I stop it stops then I start I start again but the universe the objects me you at each point of time we have reached a point now I could die right now then I stop 
my existence stops. I spill the water. The water is no longer in the cup. There is a new, a new instance. There is an instance, an instance of each and everything when you take a snapshot of you, the, the screenshot on your computer. You take the exact current thing on the screen. The exact current thing at each point of time you'll say, okay, until now, until this moment, how much time has been spent to arrive at this point? Now, let me take this as an example and we'll stop. The water I have in my cup here, I got a sip of it, but the water that is current now, not the one I drive, but this one. Let me see at this very moment how many changes, how much change it took place for this water to be on my table. And I'll start counting that. A brother brought it from the uh, cooler there. The cooler brought it from some company that brought the water there. And then the water came from a certain river. There's a change from the river came from maybe from uh, the rain. That's amount of change. And the rain came from vapor and some uh, drops of uh, uh, drops of water, little tiny little uh, molecules that have come from oceans, and then every piece of change counted. Keep counting. It's just like moving from here to here. Counting steps, and because it has reached me now at this very moment, the total time spent. The total time means the total number of changes that took place in the world at large that allows this cup, this cup to be on this table is finite, limited. Because if it was not finite, which means it has so much changes beyond the limit, it would never have reached me. I would not have an instant of it. Or it would have reached me long time ago, back, 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 back in the history, which is absolutely ridiculous. Because currently I exist here. I'm not yesterday, I'm today. And the water is today, is now. So the total amount of change that took place on this universe, including the gravity, the earth, the clouds, the thunders, the, the lightning, all of these changes eventually led to the conclusion that there is a water here. This amount of time is finite. This is because that's what time is. So to tell me that this world is eternal, does not have a beginning, that's absolutely ridiculous. It does not comply with the mental thought at all. That is the essence of our thought. That's the real thing. That's not I'm not assuming that you should know quantum theory or you should know uh, Einstein physics. All I am assuming is that you could tell that the time invested in making the water in a cup is very simple. There is a change that happens. Somebody moved the water from that cooler into the cup. There is a time. That's all. 
But to make it in the, in the cooler, there is another yet time. And there is yet another time. So all of this time, because it materialized in an instant which I see it today, it means the current universe. It's water, the sun, the moon, the earth, the people, the rugs, the dirt, the minerals, all of it. An instant copy of that, the current instant, the total amount of time invested in this is finite. Which means it must have an age. Finite means it's an age. The limit is now, the previous limit is sometime in the past. I don't, I don't care when. It doesn't matter to me when or how much. But there is definitely a starting point for that. So if I understand the association of time with the motion of objects, then I understand the issue of creation. If that I don't understand it, I don't grasp it, it will always be bothering me. Especially when somebody takes you billions of years earlier and say, oh, that goes beyond my head. So you start scratching your head, I don't understand that. I don't care about the billions or trillions. I care about the fact that the total amount of changes that happen to a physical object must be finite in order for the object to exist now. In order for the object to exist now, the total number of changes invested in this object have to be finite, period. If that's the case, and there is the end of this change is now, then the beginning of change is the total amount of changes minus the so-called age. That's very simple. That's how we calculate our uh, birth date. If you say, oh, I am 62 years old, and today it's 2019, you subtract, uh, there must be a date. There must be a time, 1957, when this brother was born. Now, if you say, oh, this brother is in front of us, he must have being born at one time, oh, I estimate his age, probably 70 or 80 years old, so I could tell you must have been born 80 years ago, or X years ago, or this much time ago, but it cannot be open-ended. See, you guys, open-ended does not exist. That's the argument of the atheist. The essence of it is to prove to us or to tell us that the world does not have a beginning. World does not have a beginning means the world does not exist today. I don't have a snapshot of the world today. I cannot touch something that has not finalized yet. I cannot characterize. I cannot characterize something that has not reached its final, its current final shape. Can we characterize where the moon is now? Of course. You have instruments you could tell the moon is located at this exact location in the universe. Vis-a-vis -vis the sun, vis-a-vis -vis the earth, vis-a-vis -vis the all the universe, we know that. That's the notion that Allah Azza wa keeps telling us. The moon keeps moving in specific, discrete, I call it discrete motions. Which means that each and every point of time you can tell this is the moon, it exists right here at this moment. So before that, it took billions or trillions or whatever of time units for it to be here.
but not infinite, not infinite. And that applies to the moon, to the sun, to the universe, to the multiverse, as Hawking wanted to escape to multiple worlds, to me, to you, to my eyes, to your, your, your eyes, to the water, to the meat, to the people, to the animals, everything. That is, brothers, the real, real issue of what is called between atheist and uh, uh, creationalist, as we call them, the ones who believe that the world is created, that we believe that the time and, and, and objects are, the, the, the time is a characteristic of the motion of an object. Time does not exist on its own. Time is a characteristic of the motion and the change of objects. And if the objects change, their space, their characteristics, their locations, then there is time. If everything is stalemate, absolutely stalemate, there is no time. As far as our understanding is concerned, for our world, for our universe, there is no time, there is no observation of the change. The fact that the world is changing, Allah keeps pointing us that look at the change of the moon, look at the change of the sun, look at the change of the day and the night. He keeps referring us to the changes that take place for objects because that is how we understand the time and the need for creation. So I would like to stop right here and next time when we talk about this probably maybe the maybe we have one or, or two more sessions we'll talk about now the other issue which I started with the the relation the the ultimate or the uh, inevitable relation between humans and the creator between us and Allah and God that this is not only a discovery of philosophical nature the discovery of time and the fact that there is a need for a creator, it's not only a philosophical subject, it is a subject that has to do with our life, that has to do with our how we proceed in this life, what is the relation between us and them. And I will start next time with the ayah that about the Sahaba, how they looked at this. They said, the Sahaba used, يَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ by the way. The Sahaba, Allah Azza wa praised them for this quality. That yatafakkaruna. Yatafakkar means they keep thinking. Not only one time. It's not they thought about it. Yatafakkar means continuously keep thinking about the creation of the heavens and the and earth. Khalq al-Samawati wal-Ard, which means the whole universe. But then they don't stop there. They go to the next step. Rabbana, which means all. The Creator is my Rabb. Number one conclusion. The second conclusion, ma batila. This whole creation is not for no reason. So the Sahaba used to do this thinking, but they would not stop at refuting the ideas of atheists. They make the thinking, they come to conclusion, then they move to the second concept, the second issue of who this God is, he's a Rabb, and then what is he want from us? رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلَ سُبْحَانَكَ فَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ سُبْحَانَكَ يَا اللَّهِ 
save us from hellfire. This whole issue of aqidah confined and summarized in one part of an ayah. يتفكرون في خلق السماوات والأرض سبحانك ربنا سبحان ربنا ما خلقت هذا باطلا سبحانك فقنا عذاب النار السلام عليكم ورحمة الله. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow 